everybody, this is John. We are about to get to my conversation with Wilson Shirley. If you missed the local youth worker last week, uh, be sure to go back and check out my conversation with John Trapp. We talked about false narratives that we often believe in ministry and found that really helpful uh, to have that conversation with John. So I hope you enjoy that. Also go back and check out Parenting Today as Kurt and I spoke with Reverend Brian Habig and had a conversation about bad language. Uh, so hopefully that'll be helpful for you in your parenting. Here's my conversation with, with Wilson Shirley. Also, this is Joe Deegan playing behind me. Hope you enjoy that music. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Local Youth Worker, a daily podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. Today, we'll be talking to Reverend Wilson Shirley. Wilson, welcome. Thanks for having me, John. Absolutely. Uh, Wilson is a good friend. We go way back as we begin to share his story today. We'll hear some points at which we overlap and uh, have known each other. Wilson was in youth ministry. Uh, he is now senior pastor at Cornerstone Presbyterian Church in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, Wilson, before we get into your story and a little bit about your background, why don't you just tell us, I mean, as I just said, you're in Huntsville, Alabama. How long have you been there? Tell us about your family, your kids, and then we'll get into your story. Yes, uh, I've been the senior pastor at Cornerstone in Huntsville for five years now. Uh, my family and I moved here five years ago from the Jackson, Mississippi area. Uh, my wife, Laura, and I have been married for 17 years. We have four children uh, that range in ages from 12 to almost seven, uh, two boys, two girls. And uh, yeah, that's a little bit about our family. Yeah, that's good. Um, and like I said, Wilson and I overlapped um, in Ridgeland, Mississippi. Wilson worked at Highlands Presbyterian Church. And you know what? We had Devin Kahn on the podcast and season two. I cannot remember which episodes, but Devin used to work under Wilson. Wilson was the youth director there. Um, was that your formal title at Highlands? Pastor of Youth and Families, something like that. That was it, pastor of youth and families. Joseph Wheat used to call me the senior pastor of youth ministry at the church. <laughs> That's right. So, so Wilson was there. We got to overlap there. And and really, as we've shared a lot on this podcast, just the importance for community, for fellowship, especially for youth workers, seeking out other youth workers at local church, at local churches. And and Wilson was definitely that, that community um, for, for me. I mean, uh, he was one that, yeah, long-term youth worker uh, at a at a church, and, and really, I mean, just one of those friendships uh, that that I, I really cherished. Uh, probably kept me going in youth ministry a lot longer than <laughs> than I would have had he not been there. So, anyway, appreciate Wilson's friendship, and uh, yeah, I, I've said before we started recording, I told Wilson, I can't believe I'm just now getting Wilson on this podcast, but I guess it's because he he left youth ministry uh, for. Uh, senior pastor. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we want to get into that a little bit too, just some of the discussion of kind of youth ministry tr transition to senior pastor transition. I'm sure many of you listening to this podcast, there are some of you out there thinking about that. Okay, when 
when should I make the transition? Should I at all make the transition or stay in youth ministry more long term? So we'll talk about some of that. But Wilson, those who listen to our podcast know that we are focusing on stories more, and we realize that story is significant for the life of the Christian. Uh, that's how God has revealed himself to us. And so it's been great to hear people's stories. So why don't you start off just by, by telling us how, how you came to know the Lord and, and I guess even, you know, where you were born, where you grew up, and I know that will all tie into there. Sure. Um, and just piggybacking on what you said earlier, John, likewise, man, I enjoy your friendship. Thank you for your passion here to help equip and encourage uh, local youth workers. And I still love youth ministry and glad to be on to talk about that. Um, I am was born and raised in uh, Meridian, Mississippi. So that's where home is. That's where my family is from. I, I did grow up in a divorced family. So kind of did the whole back and forth between two parents uh, pretty much growing up. Uh, there was some church influence, uh, not not a whole lot, not very consistent. I did not grow up in a, a Christian home, uh, but I did grow up in a home where uh, going to church was was important and uh, sometimes more important than others. Uh, but because I just grew up in a um, you know a mixed family, uh, there was never any real consistency with uh, you know going to church and being taught the Christian life and that kind of thing. Uh, at some point, though, in my teenage years, through really the influence of maybe some friends and being involved with Fellowship of Christian Athletes and a couple of coaches who were Christians, I uh, began to kind of examine uh, my life uh, in, in high school and realized that, you know, I needed to make a, a commitment of a public profession of faith. Uh, I was involved in a Baptist church, and so the way you did that was you walk the aisle and you got baptized and that was your <laughs> public profession of faith. And I did realize at that time that I was a sinner. Uh, that was real evident by my life <laughs> and I, I needed uh, Jesus. But really my need for Jesus at that point was I didn't want to go to hell <laughs> and uh, let's, let's get this baptism thing over with. Um, there was very little growth uh, in my Christian life at that point. Uh, I do believe that I was a Christian, but a, a very infant Christian. Again, didn't read the scriptures, uh, didn't consider, you know, worshiping God on a weekly basis with his people kind of an important thing. It wasn't until I got to college that I met some serious minded Christians who were about my age. And they invited me to go and uh, worship with them. Uh, I was invited to go to uh, RUF, uh, Reform University Fellowship, a college ministry. And they knew that I didn't know really anything. <laughs> and uh, when I was asked to go to this uh, college ministry, I didn't really understand what it was or what it meant. And I said, you know, this is a reformed kind of, you know, group, right? So these are these are bad kids, you know, they need to be informed. And uh, so I thought, because if that's it, that's probably me, you know. <laughs> I, I'm going to fit in here. Some... Yeah, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah, I could use some reforming. And, uh, and, and it was there that I first heard the doctrines of grace. 
uh, salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. And uh, it, it profoundly, profoundly affected me. Uh, I couldn't get enough of it. And, and I began to grow uh, in my faith uh, like a wildfire. And, and it was, you know, what I was longing for, what I knew I needed. And it provided a foundation, provided a framework. It provided a goal for me to grow in my Christian life. And I'm uh, forever thankful for that. Yeah, that, that, that's awesome. And, and again, I mean, just acknowledging, I mean, there's, there's a lot to acknowledge there, but acknowledging one thing is just the testimony of RUF, Reformed University Fellowship. I mean, that's something we've talked about a lot on this podcast. RUF has been mentioned. We've had RUF campus ministers on. Cyril Chavis was on just um, maybe a, a two, three weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, just awesome to hear that uh, and hear the work that the Lord's doing through RUF. I mean, that played a huge role in my life as well. Some similarities to what you were sharing. Um, you said that, you know, church was kind of something that was expected in your upbringing. Were you a part of a youth group growing up? And if you were, um, what kind of uh, student were you in youth group or what kind of student were you in, in the church? You know, um, I did attend uh, a, a couple of youth groups kind of here and there. Uh, th- there was never any consistency. Uh, the very large church that I was baptized in and was a, was a part of uh, had a very large active youth ministry. Uh, did lots of cool things, uh, trips, retreats, and those kind of things. But I have no memory of those being active discipleship times. <laughs> I don't, I have no memory of, uh, you know, prayer, reading my Bible, diving into the word or any of those type things. Quite honestly, I think I was probably there to meet girls, uh, <laughs> what most kids were doing. So uh, I did attend, um, a Presbyterian youth group from time to time with a friend, a mutual friend of ours, Parker Reese. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I began to notice that, uh, something was a little different, uh, about this, uh, group. And there was a little more of a seriousness and a little more of a discipleship focus to it. But again, I didn't, uh, go to it enough to, uh, really get much out of it. And because of my, uh, again, kind of growing up in, uh, two different homes, divorced family, again, it just lacked that consistency, uh, that was needed to be a part of a, a local church. Yeah, and, and, and Wilson, something that we've been asking as we're talking to people in ministry and getting them to, to share their stories is when did you consider uh, full-time ministry? I mean, again, as you're sharing your story and you're saying, you know, it was somewhat involved in this church, but, you know, not mm-hmm. even for sure if you were a believer. And then as you got to college, you were in, you know, informed of this uh, Reformed University Fellowship. And uh, yeah, what, what were you thinking and when did you start thinking, wow, I, I think I want to want to get into ministry and do ministry. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't your major, wasn't it like microbiology or something along those lines? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. Another, another big part of my story is that, uh, when I was a teenager around the age of 16, uh, my mother passed away. Um, she contracted a kind of a, a unknown at that time brain, uh, infection that took her life. And so that was pretty, 
uh, rattling and hard for a, a young man, especially at that age, me trying to figure out what it means to be a man. So that changed my life dramatically. It changed the way I grew up. It changed, you know, who the authority was in my life, you know, where I lived, where I went to school and those kind of things. But thankfully, I had a, a very faithful, steadfast father and I had grandparents uh, that I was very close to. Uh, my grandparents were very uh, serious about education and seeing me and my younger brother and my younger sister uh, have that foundation and be able to go to college. And so they were uh, huge in my life to provide for that. And so I went off to Mississippi State University. Um, at that time, again, my interests were uh, hunting and fishing and kind of all things outdoors. And I thought, you know, I'm going to major in forestry so I can drive a full drive truck and play in the woods all day <laughs> because go. that's what I, that's what I like to do. Um, but there were a couple of people in my life at that point, uh, who said, you know, Wilson, you, you've always enjoyed science and, you know, particularly, you know, biology, you know, have you, have you considered that? And I was in college one week and realized, you know, that is where my interests are. And so I changed my major <laughs> to, uh, to pre-med and microbiology. Microbiology provided a track to uh, go to either medical school or dental school. And so that's kind of where I was headed. That's what I was interested in doing. Um, I, you know, I appreciated anatomy and physiology and, and biology and thought that's, that sounds good. That's where I'll go. So that was my track. Uh, had to study hard, had to take some really hard classes. Um, and ministry was nowhere on my radar screen. I uh, had uh, never given it one, you know, thought, never, not even one, you know, neuron in my brain ever fired in that direction. And, <laughs> and, uh, and is this no freshman, sophomore year of college? Is that what you're saying? Kind of around there? This is, this is probably like around junior year of college <laughs> and uh, sophomore to junior year of college. And I, uh, you know, again, was headed on this this track, you know, to, to go on to further school and, you know, medicine or dentistry or something like that, because I thought the lifestyle would be good. And again, nobody in my family was in ministry. Nobody was ministry minded. I don't think anybody in my family ever even like went on a mission trip. <laughs> so and this is like both sides of my family. And um, and so in uh, one of the things that was important to me growing up was summer camp. Uh, I spent a lot of summers going to Strong River Camp and Farm in Pinola, Mississippi, and just loved it. Loved camp, loved all that it afforded. And then I knew, though, that that camp was uh, was was short on something I kind of needed and wanted, and that was that you know Christian life emphasis. So when I got to Mississippi State my freshman year, I, I met some other friends who. Uh, who had, were upperclassmen and who served as camp counselors at Alpine Camp for Boys in Mentone, Alabama. And that's where I met my good friend, John Parrott. I can't remember what summer that was that you and I worked together. 2001. I came so a few summer, years after you, yeah. Okay, so the first summer I was there was the summer of 1998, and immediately it was very different. Just a strong emphasis on seeing me, young men grow uh, in Christ. It was a Christian camp. It was it was fun. It was outdoors. It was everything I loved. 
And those are the first, uh, that was the first time that I'd ever had really ministry opportunities where I was told, hey, you've got to disciple this cabinet of kids. You need to leave them a devotion. You need to point them to Christ and to point them to the glory of God and creation. And that was real scary and intimidating to me because uh, I'd never done it before, never even seen it modeled. Hmm. But uh, as I began to do it, <laughs> And as I was put in that situation, I, I loved it and really enjoyed it. And I was a natural at it, I believe. So I did that a few summers and really, really loved kids, really loved ministry. And it was really through the summer camp. And so I think it was about my junior year when uh, the elders and the pastor of the church that I was attending in college approached me and said, would you pray about being our part-time youth director. And, uh, and I was, I was kind of blown away because, because of the time and experience at camp, there are these seeds that were being planted in my mind and in my heart about ministry and about, you know, being able to devote myself to, to kids and to students and to discipling them. But I really didn't share that with anybody. (laughs) Probably the only person that would have noticed something like that would have been Dick O'Farrell, the camp camp director, and maybe some of the other men that were there. But I kind of kept that to myself. And so when these elders came to me and said, hey, we want you to pray about this and think about this, it was just, you know, the calling of God was, you know, loud and clear. Mm-hmm. I don't think I had to think about it too long mm-hmm. to say, yeah, this is something I want to do. So I began doing that. Uh, loved it. They gave me a lot of freedom. They 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 helped me kind of teach Sunday school and and disciple kids and plan retreats. And I was like, man, I really love this. Wouldn't it be awesome to do this for a living? And but again, being so naive and having no framework or knowledge, I thought, well, that's silly. Nobody can do this for a job. <laughs> you can't support a family and make money. And plus, I'm I'm going to med school. You know. So at that point, I was so far along in my major you know, to switch to anything that would have been useful in ministry, like history or English or something like that, it would have been like starting over with college. And so that was really out of the question. Uh, then I sat down one day uh, with a, uh, a pastor and friend and who was an RUF campus minister at Mississippi State. And I began to share with him about the kind of the struggle I was having internally and what I was thinking about and ministry and where I felt like God was calling me. And, and I just said, you know, I just wish I could maybe do this for a living and, you know, get a job maybe as a, as a youth director and support a family. And, but I said, I know that's not realistic. And he looked at me like, are you crazy? Because I could find you a job this week. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then after that I said, well, help me. And he helped me. And I, uh, put my name out there and got on some search uh, websites. And before I knew it, there were, there were job offers and opportunities coming up all over the country, literally. And I I just couldn't believe it. Uh, And at that point um, I I knew that God was kind of loud and clear calling me in the ministry. And yet I had this microbiology thing (laughs) that was kind of weighing over me the same time I met, uh, I I was friends with a a beautiful, godly uh, young lady named Laura Bratley. And uh, we uh, began to sense God calling us to uh, get married. And so that was all going on at the same time and trying to figure all this out. God's call was kind of loud and clear. And, you know, it was 
unmistakable to me because it wasn't something I was looking for. It's uh, literally uh, him calling me to it. And that's awesome. And so again, trying to get the timeline there when you, okay, you went to Alpine and that's where you kind of sensed this call a little bit more than you were approached. When did you come on staff with the church? Is that junior, senior year of, of college? I, I believe so. I believe it was, the, it was in, it was in the year 2000. Okay. So somewhere in there, uh, maybe 99. I, I'm going to have to probably go back and look at some like handwritten calendars or something I, to figure I, that out. As we're finding out more and more, the memory tends to, to, to fade a little <laughs> bit with, uh, what we had Sarah Litton yeah. on the podcast last week and she was talking about, or we were both saying, I think with each child that you have, parts of your memory just kind of go away. So um, that, that's probably it. Well, so, something you said that I wanted to go back to when you came on staff with this church, I mean, this was still such a new thing. And again, you didn't have a lot of this model to you growing up. And so, as you said, they kind of helped you with Sunday school and things like that. I mean, had you ever taught, you know, a formal Sunday school lesson? Did they have elders in there kind of holding your hand, helping you out? Talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, that's a great question. Yeah, they really took a chance on me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they uh, and, and they, they invested a lot in me, obviously trusting me, but they, they only paid me $100 a month. So they could have found enough. <laughs> <laughs> so it was uh it was a job at that time a hundred dollars was yeah. was more significant than it is now but uh you know to a, to a college student it was it was good um uh they um definitely kind of coached me through it and talked me through it but uh because of the experience i had at alpine of, of doing some teaching there leading what they called morning watches and those kind of things and again there were some pastors there that kind of helped me do that and then uh, through RUF, I did lead a couple of small group studies. And, you know, I'm thankful to Brian Haybig, who uh, was a big influence there, kind of walking me through and teaching me how to do that. And so from those things, I kind of had training and I had a little bit of an idea of uh, what what to do and, and how to do it. Yeah. And I, I do need to say, too, sometimes when I'm recording the local youth worker and then parenting today, I don't know the schedule when everything's going to air, but Brian Habig is going to be on parenting today um, to discuss the topic of bad words. Uh, that's a, a subject that we had discussed, I think season one, but we realized, Hey, we need to talk about this more. And so we're having uh, Brian Habig on. So be sure to check out um, parenting today uh, for those uh, listening um, so Wilson, tell us a little bit, uh, let's zoom in on your kind of youth ministry years, um, a little bit as you, you know, started from Alpine that, that, um, led into you, was it, is it Grace Presbyterian in Starkville, Mississippi? You're, okay. So that's, correct. so that's where you began. And then I know you were in Florida for some time and then you came up to Ridgeland, Mississippi. So talk to us just a little bit about your youth ministry experience and the years that you served in youth ministry. Yeah. So um, Grace Presbyterian was, was small enough and had two pastors on staff that they couldn't br afford to bring me on full time, even though I would have loved to stay there. And so uh, they were helpful to me to, to be a, a good reference and, and help me uh, find a, a permanent full time position. I put my resume in there with the uh the PCA Youth Pastor Placement Service, I'm not sure what they call it now, 
And again, when I filled that out, I mean, it was within days. I could not believe how many responses I was getting. Looking back on it, several of the pastors and search committees told me that they were looking for men who had my experience, you know, camp, RUF background, and some of the training I did. And so that's kind of what afforded me some of those opportunities. My uh, fiance at that time uh, and I looked at lots of different positions. We knew we didn't want, we knew we were interested in maybe, you know, venturing outside of Mississippi a little bit, but not being too far away from family. And so there was one particular church where I just really connected with the pastor and really liked his philosophy of ministry and uh, what the church was doing is Pinewoods Presbyterian Church in Pensacola, Florida. And Dave Anderegg was the pastor there now. Uh, then and uh, he uh, just became a great friend and mentor and was someone I thought I could learn a lot from but also it was just a sweet church that that really loved me and my new bride at that time and and helped kind of help us get along in life and and figure out youth ministry I had a lot of opportunities there really almost was like an assistant pastor or assistant to the pastor but obviously student ministry was a big part of my focus and and uh, you know we, we were able to kind of grow the ministry and be there during the church growth. And so saw a lot of uh, students, you know, come to know the Lord and, and, and be discipled. And uh, my wife and I just loved it. It was just a, a great place. But uh, after, um, <clears throat> after being in college for almost five years and majoring in microbiology, I was pretty burned out on school. And so I wasn't ready to go straight to seminary at that point, even though I knew that was something that I, would probably eventually do. So when we were in Florida for a couple of years, almost three years, um, we, I knew I felt the call now to go to seminary. And so we wanted to go back toward home, which was Jackson, Mississippi, and attend uh, Reformed Theological Seminary. And so I was looking for maybe like an internship at a, at a local church to um, help pay the bills, but provide some more, you know, learning opportunities and, uh, and, and, um, you know, uh, get through seminary as quickly as possible. I talked to lots of different churches. There were lots of different opportunities out there, but it was apparent through these different opportunities that the Lord was not done with me with youth ministry. And so there was a church, Highlands Presbyterian Church in Ridgeland, Mississippi, that, uh, at that time was, without a pastor <laughs> and uh they had they had a youth pastor there for a long time and they were looking for someone and they just said look you're exactly what we're looking for uh you have the experience and the and the knowledge uh, we would love for you to come here if you'll come and work full time here we will pay for your seminary if you'll just take longer to do it and so i did that for almost seven years <laughs> and uh uh, the, the reason why it took me so long to finish seminary was because during that time, the church really grew, uh, and the student ministry really grew. Um, and so my job responsibilities grew. And so that, uh, left little time to, to do seminary. And we had a, we had a family too, at that point, we had four children. <laughs> and, so, and Wilson, uh, am, am I right to say too, that, um, Highlands was, was in transition too, as far as senior pastors. Was there a time where you were kind of serving as more of a, you know, not just a youth pastor, yeah. but assistant pastor? And I know you weren't ordained at that time, but is that right? 
No, yeah, that's a, that's a whole other interesting story. But I knew the senior pastor was leaving. So when I got there, I knew he wasn't there. And they had started the, the search for a new senior pastor. They had an assistant pastor there that I really liked and was looking forward to connecting with him and working with him. And he took me to lunch on my first official day on the job and told me he was leaving. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am on this church staff. There's other people on staff there. You know, it's a fairly good sized church at this point. And I am the only kind of male leadership pastor, you know, ministry worker on the staff. And there's, uh, the elders are assuring me that they're not going to put this big burden on my shoulders <laughs> and ask me to do all this stuff. But uh, because of my experience and because of my love for the local church, I mean, I immediately jumped in and helped wherever I could. I, I did a, a, a lot of preaching that first year, um, probably more than I had planned to do. Or, <laughs> and at that point, I'd probably only preached two or three times on a Sunday wow. service at my, and so I was, I was pretty raw, <laughs> and uh, but they 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 trusted me and and they gave me those opportunities and the session there was great to just support me and help me. I was able to hire uh, another youth worker who is well known to the uh, RYM community. Uh, she was Julia Toll back at that time. She's now Julia Friedman, and she came on staff with me and uh, really was our girls director and, and did tons of ministry and allowed me to help do these other things in the church. And so, yeah, it was an interesting time to, to be kind of thrown into all of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at once. Cause yeah, so. I mean, thinking about, you know, your timeline, I, I mean, I know this is give or take, but you know, 1999 ministry isn't even a thought on your radar or, you know, around then to 2006, three or so, or 2004, you're preaching mm -hmm. <laughs> in a congregation, which is, is funny to think in it, what, seven years or so going for not even thinking about ministry to preaching a Sunday morning sermon. Um, anyway, that's pretty amazing to think about. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty surreal. I mean, they're, they're even to this day, some of my family members kind of scratching my head, like, why, why are you doing this again? You know? <laughs> Well, tell us, I know, Wilson, as I said, kind of in the introduction, as we're, we're talking now, you've transitioned into being a senior pastor. But thinking back on your youth ministry days, and I guess, how many, how many years were you serving in youth ministry? Getting you to add that up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was about 15 years. Okay. So, so thinking back over that 15 years of youth ministry, uh, what what was it that you loved about youth ministry? What was it that drew you to that ministry and uh, the things, yeah, that you just loved about youth ministry? Mm. Yeah, I, uh, you know, again, didn't really have a, a youth director or youth worker that I kind of latched onto growing up. So I never really saw that modeled. I did have a couple of coaches who were big influences in my life that uh, you know, loved Jesus and, and wanted to see young men grow and and develop into godly young men. And so th they were somewhat of an influence to me. But uh, it was it was that camp experience, you know, just realizing that you have this opportunity to, um, you know, to to minister to kids in this, you know, almost like this bubble, you know, <laughs> where. They can't really escape you. <laughs> you. You get to pour into them and influence them and, and disciple them. And 
And so uh, in, in student ministry, at least, you know, back in those days, I, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, being able to call up a parent and say, hey, can I go get ice cream with Jimmy and, and, and you know, spend some time with him. And the parents really put a lot of trust and faith in me to allow me to do that. And um, I, I enjoyed teaching, you know, seeing them make those connections. I mean, I was so excited about the gospel of grace. I, I just couldn't wait to teach it. I couldn't wait to tell it and see how, how other students connect with it. Uh, I really enjoyed doing things uh, with kids. And so I um, planned retreats, um, went to RYM, uh, went on these backpacking experiences, mission trips. And all those things were just exciting to me to be able to help give those kids experiences and, uh, and opportunities to, to grow in their faith, to kind of get outside of themselves and their kind of normal environments and to, to share the gospel with them through all these different ways. And so I, I just really enjoyed that. I enjoyed um, helping to uh, recruit and equip uh, other adults to come alongside me uh, in youth ministry. We had a very dynamic uh, small group ministry where we had something like 35, 40 adults leading small groups at Highlands and uh, again, just discipling kids and, and helping them walk in the faith. My wife uh, had a small group that she had when they started in the sixth grade and uh, had them all the way till they graduated high school and just to see how those young ladies are growing in the Lord and still connecting with her and how their moms now and uh, all that was just, just to see these kids grow up and, uh, and see, even have an opportunity to officiate some of their weddings was just a, a real blessing. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And just to talk about your small group ministry, um, how much, I appreciated that small group ministry because we took two of your <laughs> female <laughs> small group leaders yeah. uh, to, to come on staff mm-hmm. with me at, at Pear Orchard. Um, an awesome small group. Uh, <laughs> let's just go ahead and say Whitney Mac Jones now and uh, Molly Barnes, Molly Dawkins Barnes, yes. uh, who's actually been on the podcast. So anyway, two of those who grew up in Wilson's youth group and um, have been, I guess Molly grew up in your youth group, but Whitney was a small group leader. So anyway. you did. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing to look back over the years and see how many of those, uh, small group leaders were called into ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice for you to spend all the work and effort on them and that we could just kind of <laughs> reap the benefits of that. <laughs> yes. 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 I'm glad to help um, for the king. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, so look, you've transitioned to being a senior pastor. You said you've been there for five years at Cornerstone Prez in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, what do you miss about youth ministry? What, what are some things, I mean, as you're just sitting there sharing some of your uh, favorite aspects of youth ministry, uh, what, what, what are some of those things that you miss now that you don't get to do as regularly uh, being a senior pastor? Um. I miss not being as responsible as I am now. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I suspected this, but not till I became a senior pastor did I realize the immense weight of responsibility that it, that it is to be the chief shepherd uh, of a local church. And so I appreciated the other pastors and, and mentors and elders and supervisors that I had that uh, I, I know shielded me from a lot. <laughs> and so they really shielded me in a way that I could 
stick with student ministry and family ministry and, and not be burdened by the other uh, needs of the church. And so I, I miss that just intense focus because now being a senior pastor, I care about all the ministries. I, I'm over all of the ministries. I'm having to spend just as much time with women's ministry as I am student ministry and that kind of thing. Um, I also really miss uh, the, the, the trips. Hmm. Uh, we, uh, when I was at Highlands, we really uh, developed a, a program there that I'm not sure I'll ever be able to see again, but each summer we had uh, junior high and senior high going on two different trips. And so the junior high would go on a, uh, and the senior high would go on a, say for instance, to RYM. And so that was kind of a, you know, I called it kind of a personal growth time, really kind of a selfish time where they get to grow in their faith and be discipled and be in that environment that RYM does it like no other. Uh, but then also we tried to do something to stretch the kids and go a little further uh, beyond themselves. And that was, we took mission trips. And so just those two things that happened every summer, year after year were very special. And again, just to see how, uh, students grew in their faith, uh, grew to love missions. Some were even called into ministry through those opportunities. And so, uh, I remember on some of these RYM in Colorado, you know, hiking 40 students up a mountain, you know, <laughs> For, men, for many of them, this was the hardest thing they'd ever done in their life. <laughs> and to see them literally conquer a mountain and to see how much uh, confidence that gave them in themselves, but just also being part of a group. And, and those experiences are really, really hard to recreate. Mm, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, so look, as you're, you're talking about some of those things that you enjoyed, um, some of those things that you missed, what, what, what do you not miss? Uh, what, what are you <laughs> glad that you don't have to, to deal with anymore as not being mm. in youth ministry? So my wife and I, um, we started in ministry together. She knew what she was getting into when she agreed to marry me. Matter of fact, uh, a, a joke we often say is that the night I proposed to her, uh, we were leading youth group at the local church, <laughs> and, and, I, and I had the ring in my pocket <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> nice. And, 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 uh, and so, yeah, very romantic. And I didn't do it during youth group. So, um, but, uh, you know, we've been in it together uh, the, the whole time. And uh, we were married for several years before the Lord gave us children. So we had our first child in 2006. And, uh, after that, we, we had uh, another one pretty quick and then another one pretty quick. Our first three children were born in three years. So it was like instant family. <laughs> and, uh, and then we have a four children. And so people ask if we plan that. I said, I remember planning the fourth one, you know, <laughs> one, two, three just kind of came. And, uh, so the Lord gave us a family and she had the opportunity to stay home with the children. And so we, we were busy and, and tired, as you mentioned earlier. And, um, and so it became difficult for me to be the present father and husband I wanted to be and to do some of the things that student ministry, uh, not necessarily required, but I wanted to do uh, with a large church and lots of students. You know, there was always sports and, and programs and activities that I was being invited to and wanted to go to. There were trips, there were conferences. There were a lot of things that, that pulled me away from my family um, on a, on a week-to-week basis. And so 
it just became harder to be away from them and to support my wife the way I wanted to and do all those things. And so I think that was kind of a natural growth pro- progression for any man, uh, any father in ministry. I don't think that uh, my wife was very, uh, was very helpful, very uh, forgiving, very understanding of all that, but I knew she wanted me there uh, more. And so, and I wanted to be there more. And so that, that, I, I, I can say I just didn't miss that, I guess, just being away from my family. Mm, yeah, that that is a challenge for sure. And as you know, um, I have five children, and uh, we, we joke about just the <laughs> insanity of having <laughs> somewhat larger families. And uh, yes. it, it's a challenge for sure as, as you add more to you know your family, just having the energy to keep up with with teenagers. And obviously as we're having our own children, we're aging as well. So the, the ability right. to, to play ultimate Frisbee or whatever, um, it seems to wane a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, in light of this too, just kind of putting you on the spot a little bit, maybe some possible counsel advice to those who are listening, who are in youth ministry and they've got a growing family and they're, you know, there's always that tension of balancing time with the family and then sacrificing for the ministry. Any, any advice uh, to those listening on how to do that? I know there's no perfect balance, but ways in which you kind of thought and learned and even reflecting back on how you did it, ways you would have done it differently. Any thoughts there? Yeah. I, I do. Uh, and, you know, some of them learned the hard way. But I think most importantly, just good communication with your wife and making sure you're setting the expectations, uh, especially in the year 2019, when you can, you know, share your ministry calendar with him, with her on, you know, whatever platform you use where she kind of knows what you're doing and what you're up to, and what your plans are. I had some very wise um, mentors and uh, in my life who who told me, you know, make sure you're home more mornings than you're away and home more evenings than you're away. Um, and I think that helps create a balance where your kids and your wife feel like you're present and not gone. And when you are gone, that unless it's a counseling emergency, that that expectation is set and, and she knows and she's ready for that. So just good communication with your wife on that. Also taking a day off. And I'm not talking about, you know, Saturday and Sunday. Those don't count. You know, during the week, you need to take a day off. And it literally needs to be a day you're unplugging, uh, a day where your wife feels like you, she is available to you and you're available to her to, to literally help. You know, whether that's going to the grocery store or taking the kids or, or whatever. You know, my wife used to say that she felt like uh, my day off was her day off. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's, that's the way I wanted it to be. And so you're serving her in that way. So uh, I, I could I could give you many many more, but those are some of the big ones. Yeah, that's that's really good. And I mean, just the the advice there of you know taking a day off. Um, so often it can seem like a, such an admirable thing to sacrifice uh, for ministry. And of course, there are times where we have to do it, and we have to exercise discernment of when those times are. But we need to take a day off. Um, that, that that is a biblical concept, and that's a a vitally important thing for the long term um, in ministry. And and really, as as I said, there's n- no way to strike a perfect balance. I mean, different seasons of life bring about transition. Uh, but now that you and I are both post youth ministry, um, mm-hmm. you know, if I had to upset people um, uh, of you know giving more time to one or not the other, I'm glad that I can say, I think I, 
I might have erred on the side of upsetting church people than my family. Um, Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And like you said, having that open communication with your wife uh, can can assist greatly in that area. So if that's, you know, husband or wife, whoever is serving in youth ministry, just talking to your spouse and let them be brutally honest with you about if you're working too much. Yeah. And, and along with that, you know, I mentioned earlier, one of the things I missed and loved about student ministry was going on these trips, but those were hard on my family. And so when I got home, I made, I made sure the calendar was clear and that there were two or three good solid days where I was home and I was present and it didn't feel like I was out the door again. Uh, because again, you know, you, you're, you're unqualified. You'll be unfit for ministry if, if you're not taking care of your family first. And that's, you know, just some practical things that you just got to do uh, to serve your family when you get back from those things. Amen to that. Yeah. And Wilson, as I said again in the introduction, um, and as we, we've talked about just your time in youth ministry, and now you're a senior pastor um, and I, I know there are those that are listening who are thinking, okay, is my time up in youth ministry? Am I starting to transition into another area of God's kingdom, whether that's, you know, senior pastor, uh, long-term missionary, whatever? Uh, give us some some thoughts, some counsel of just your process of working through, okay, I loved youth ministry, I served in youth ministry, but I knew it was time for me to move on to be a senior pastor of a church. What were some of those things that the Lord revealed to you? And just give us some, some counsel there for those who are thinking. That's a good point. You know, I still love youth ministry. Uh, in some ways, I don't want to ever feel like I'm done with youth ministry because, again, being the senior pastor, I have to be in charge of it. Uh, this is a, a a year of first for, for our family. I, I have one in the youth group now. And so... My oldest son is in the youth ministry, and so there's a an interest like never before. But this time it's, it's from a parent, and I'm like, hey, this feels weird. Not only am I, you know, the the boss for the youth pastor, but you know, my son is being discipled by this guy and and, and participate in these opportunities. And so, uh, just being invested in it as a parent is just a whole new world, but 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 exciting too. Um, so, but for guys who are listening, who are thinking about transition, you know, my philosophy has been, and my wife and I have talked about this a lot over the years, is we never wanted to try to force God's will. Um, I've never tried to do anything to kind of like change my call or change my circumstance. I certainly prayed about it. My wife and I talked about it a lot, and we wanted the Lord to just reveal his will to us, but it was always a gradual thing. And so as I started having children of my own and my family needs were growing, you know, obviously my ministry changed a bit because I wasn't as accessible, wasn't as available. And as my children grew, I began to see that, um, you know, really where my heart was beginning to change was I wanted to see parents discipling their kids more. So I wanted to help, you know, equip parents to disciple their kids and not just look at me as the primary disciple of their kids, that they were, in fact, the primary disciple of their kids. And I want to help them and equip them to do that. Uh, when I was at Highlands, the, the, again, the church grew. And so as the, as it grew and as the needs grew, I had the opportunity to hire uh, um, more people to come on staff uh, serving in student ministry. And so 
before I left, my title was the pastor of students and families. And so there was a full-time high school youth worker, uh, youth pastor, and a full-time junior high youth pastor. And they both had a, a female worker that worked alongside them to uh, disciple students. And so I, you know, jokingly, as Joseph Wheat said, I became the senior pastor of youth ministry. And so my my role changed a lot to where I was kind of in that pastoral oversight function and not going on all the trips. I still went on some. I was very involved in the small group ministry and equipping and training leaders and that type of thing. But because because I grew and because my family grew and because the church grew, my calling grew and kind of changed. Um, and so during that time, you know, as I became an assistant pastor at the church and was ordained, uh, obviously there were more opportunities there to, to do kind of more general assistant pastor functions. I preached, uh, helped with the sacraments and those type of things. And uh, toward the end of my time there, um, because of the providence of God, just more and more opportunities came to preach. Uh, some of those were scheduled. Some of those were like pastors getting sick in the middle of the night and things <laughs> like that. And so kind of being called up, you know, from the bench to step in and help. And, and uh, it, it was, you looking back on it, it was kind of interesting how that all happened to where I went from maybe preaching once or twice a year to, you know, maybe preaching a dozen times a year. And I began to really love preaching. And uh, the Lord kind of put that in. I always enjoyed it, but never felt like it was something I needed to do every week. But through those opportunities, I felt like the Lord was equipping me and preparing me for something else. And so still love the church, love the ministry there. But um, literally out of the blue, I get a phone call one day about a, a church in Huntsville, Alabama. And uh, that was the Lord's very clear calling to me. I, I did not. I had not developed a resume since the year 2004 and uh, whatever, I think whatever resume I had from then, uh, you know, like that word processing program doesn't exist anymore. So <laughs> I had to, <laughs> had to re recreate a resume just to even see if this was something I was interested in. And so I would just tell guys out there, just don't force it, you know, talk to your elders, talk to your mentors, you know, talk to your senior pastor, just, freely about, you know, what you're thinking and where you see your gifts are and ask them, you know, because if they tell you, you know, you're, you're preaching stinks, then, <laughs> you know, you've got some, you've got some growing and work to do there. But if they tell you that, man, you still got some years ahead to really pour into these students and these parents' lives, then, then listen to that. You know, um, you know, one of the things I have to tell myself and I want to tell others too, I mean, there's, there's two parts to the call, right? There's the internal calling, but there is the external calling. And as and as gospel centered reformed believers, we don't value one over the other. We believe it's both, and you have to listen to both. Uh, don't force it. You know, just pray and pour out you know your heart to the Lord and ask Him to to show you and help you as you wrestle with that. Yeah, that's some very good counsel. And just as you're you're talking about the the external call, I mean. Going to trusted friends, mentors, counselors, and and asking them to be to be honest and to be open, um, yeah, that can be very uh, clarifying because oftentimes you know we have blind spots and we're not going to see uh, certain areas that the Lord may be calling us or 
shutting doors and saying, no, you know, not this direction. So uh, that's helpful. Um, Wilson, we're starting to wrap this up and I was going to ask you about a resource in just a minute, just out of curiosity, and this might be a hard answer. If you were not in ministry, what sort of a job would you want to pursue? And sometimes maybe that isn't that hard because in ministry sometimes, I mean, for me, I, I thought it would be awesome to mow lawns sometimes just to, to know at the end of the day, okay, my job was to do this and I did it. Um, so sometimes that, that was a longing. Uh, any, any thoughts of what you would pursue if you were not in ministry? <laughs> so I, t- I turned uh, 40 this past year. And uh, so I, I believe that, you know, they used to call that over the hill. I don't know if they know now, but I have been in ministry long enough. It has been my career long enough that I really am to that point where I am absolutely unmarketable doing anything else. <laughs> and so um, I, uh, I, you know, if I, I can point to the diploma on my wall and so I have a microbiology degree, but somebody's going to look at how ancient that is and go, you know, yeah, that was back before computers. You know, we, you're no good to us. I don't even know what I would even do for that. Uh, I'm too old to go back to professional school, so I wouldn't do that. But I have reached that point in my life where I am absolutely sure that this is what I want to die doing. I I love ministry. I love the local church. And I cannot imagine myself doing anything else. Mm -hmm. But we all had something else we did in another lifetime. So, So my grandfather and my father were carpenters. And my grandfather had a successful home building and commercial building business. And my father actually worked for him for a point. And then my father started his own business building custom homes. And so there were several summers as a teenager and even in college when I uh, worked for him as a carpenter. He taught me carpentry skills. And so I love working with my hands. I love building things. I do all my home maintenance. So I probably would have to default, go find something doing that uh, because that's, really the only other skills that I have. No, that's, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, that's something I'm not skilled at all, but something I enjoy um, doing. Yeah, just some woodworking there. For, and also just awesome to hear your love for the local church and desire to um, to die, as you said, doing that. Um, so anyway, that's, that's awesome. Um, Wilson, like I said, we're wrapping this up. Do you have one book recommendation or an article you've read recently or – sermon, podcast, uh, just a resource you'd like to share? Sure. I thought about that a little bit. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, a, a bibliophile. I, I love books. I have lots of books. I buy lots of books. Uh, reading is something I, I enjoy. Uh, it's not something I enjoy doing when I was younger. Uh, it was something that uh, came about when I started growing in my faith. So I love reading Christian books and biographies. And so if there's one book that I have been recommending to uh, ministry workers, pastors, you know, youth workers that I think is is very, very helpful to apply, uh, you know, the, the gospel of grace to your life and to your ministry and to help you keep moving forward. It's uh, Paul Tripp's Dangerous Calling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that book uh, will go down as one of the the top books that pastors need to read and digest in ministry. And what's so helpful about it is he basically just gives a very honest diagnosis of his own heart and his own life in ministry and and how that has uh, hurt him at times, but how the gospel of grace has helped him going forward and forward. 
I think to just understand how this calling to local church ministry is very unique uh, and is and is very dangerous <laughs> at times in understanding how you need to process and discern what that looks like in your life now and going forward. That book is tremendously helpful. So uh, it's one that I try to read, if not every year, every other year, just to be reminded of some of those principles in there. Yeah, and you, you just took the words right out of my mouth. It's one of those books that I think people need to revisit often, like you said, at least once a year or periodically, just to go back through and look at the underlines. And I'm sure, you know, different seasons of ministry aspects of it will resonate with you. So that's that's a good one. And surprisingly, um, it has not been referenced on this podcast, um, but that is, I mean, wow. yeah, anything Paul Tripp writes is, is, is very helpful yeah. for sure. And that one wow. for those serving in ministry um, is a good one. Um, Wilson, it's been fun. As we said, we, we've known each other for many years and have appreciated each other, but there's so much about your story, uh, that I wasn't even aware of. So it's been great for me to sit here and, and hear this. And I know others will, will connect with it. So Wilson, uh, thank you for, uh, coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, John. And thanks for all you're doing in RWAM to just equip, uh, local youth workers. I just want to say to all of you listening out there, uh, keep fighting the good fight. Uh, don't forget to daily, uh, you know, spend time in personal worship, growing with the Lord yourself to give you strength and fuel to do what you're doing. Amen. Yeah, that's a good word for sure. And thanks again to all of those who are tuning in. Uh, just a reminder, check out uh, Parenting Today and the RYM Student Podcast, our other two uh, podcasts, as well as check out um conference talks from our youth theater training conference that concluded in nashville sandy wilson was our main speaker there are other elective speakers to check out and rym northeast in paradise pennsylvania uh the ylt conference in paradise pennsylvania be sure to check that out there's still time to register that's a little over a month Uh, we'd love to have you join us in pennsylvania y'all have a good day come and buy without money Oh, come and feast without pay.